You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I want you to be on guard about something. I want you to be on guard pretty much of the tricks of the enemy to make you think that what you're doing is not enough, to make you believe that God is not hearing your prayers, to make you even try to muster up the idea of what is wrong with you? What are you doing wrong? What are you lacking? And why is it seeming like your prayers are not being answered and everyone else is getting ahead and whatever it is that he has tapped into that you secretly have an insecurity about and now it is being used as your own personal torment that exactly what you were struggling with doesn't seem to be gaining any traction with progress with anything else like you would have been okay with being single a little bit longer but now it's starting to hit different because the holidays or whatever's coming up and or you seeing real cutesy stuff that you would like to do with a significant other and so now it start it didn't bother you in one season but now all of a sudden it's rubbing you real wrong now because like you know international cuffing season and all these other different things like the salary at the job didn't bother you as much but now that you're starting to see things you actually want to pursue and buy and maybe learn investments and all these other different things. Now it's starting to bother you. And you like, yo, we work super hard here and there's other people making this particular tax bracket amount and I just feel like, like, what is wrong? So now you're looking at your job with a disdain or now you're starting to look at your particular spouse with a disdain because, you know, you're lacking something that I really, really need and I it, it didn't really bother me in other seasons, but now that I really need to tap into that situation and I'm seeing that you're not naturally wired or naturally inclined to give me that, now was starting to bother me you know it, th this neighborhood didn't bother me when I, when I first came here I thought it was actually excellent but now that I'm starting to see and whatever is happening in your life I need you to be very clear that that is a demonic device anything that was once prayed for and God was praised for should not now be used as the enemy's weapon to frustrate you, to irritate you, or to have any negative emotion shrived up in you because of the fact that you now see it different. There is a reason why your perspective changed. It's a reason why out of all the paradises that could have been paradise, Eve was still able to look at that one tree and go, yeah, but why we can't have that one too? Really? It's not like you have a whole experience with paradise, ma'am. This is your first paradise. Why don't you just sit down somewhere? You, you don't, you don't want to just sit. Okay. God bless you. And that's why we're here. And so I just truly... I'm starting to be more cognizant of like, wow, the enemy really be trying to make people like, no, 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 no. Don't focus on all the excellence. Focus on the lack. No, 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 no. Don't focus on all the good traits. Focus on the one trait he don't have. Focus on the one body feature she doesn't have. Focus on the one. And it is the polar opposite of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is literally like, yo, I'll walk away from the 99 to save the one. No, no, no. I'll look at all the things that you're doing great I look at the heart of a person like literally in first Samuel he, when Samuel thought like yo this may be the king like looking at David's brothers and stuff God was like I don't look at people the way that you look at people I look at the heart 
Yeah, that's that. I go a little bit deeper than surface when it comes to certain things. No, no, no. I go after the one thing that matters. While the kingdom of darkness goes after the one thing that's lacking and then ruins the entire picture. How many times did he do that? He did it with Eve. Oh, you can't have this one tree. Why not? Let's focus on that. Let's dissect that. Let's look a little further into that. Out of all the concubines and wives and stuff and David that you have, you, for some reason, it's this one woman, this one Bathsheba that you like, uh, but like, I really need her. And you're going to go to extra mouth to plant her husband and get killed and all this other stuff. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And it's like, why, why look at the one in lack and not look at the 99 or the one thing that God has you literally focusing on that can actually make you feel like, man. I am blessed. I am blessed to be in a position where I can go ahead and do A, B, and C because there's other people who can't. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's difficult. It is. And so right now, this is more of a unveiled moment for me because you get to a place that you like, honestly, God, most of the things that I'm doing, I'm doing out of the vein of, I truly want to elevate God, I, I, I'm checking heart motives, making sure that I'm good. I'm making sure that there's no selfish intent. And so there's some ventures and some things that I want to do. And I want it to look a lot like it's within my natural wiring to do a thing. Cause then that equates to consistency. And then I also want to make sure that it points back to God so that I can make sure I'm not doing it in my own vein. You see what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of times people get stuck on the road to prosperity or abundance or getting their particular blessing, walking in their purpose, because they start to look at some of the things along the road and it starts to look real like, am I even on the right road? Am I in the wrong form of transportation? Am I with the right people? <laughs> like you start to question everything, which you're supposed to, but it's, a, it's, it, it can't have a, cause I feel like we need to really pay attention to the enemy tries to still kill and destroy. He cannot take blessings from us. He cannot take purpose from us. He cannot take it tangibly, but what he can do is steal it, kill it, destroy it. Because in that order in any, or maybe individualized, what he's trying to do is how much can I kind of pervert your perspective to get you to walk away from your purpose? How much of this or how much frustration do I need to infuse in this situation? How much of your own works do I need to go ahead and have you do and tire yourself out? How many people need to disappoint you and not support you and this, that, and the third before you like, you know what, forget it. This is not even. What does he need to do to infuse into God's perfect will for your life to make you actually see lack? Where God is like, but I have a plan for that. And so here's the thing. I needed to literally look a little closer and see someone that was not in their best state. That was literally like, yo, I, <laughs> I don't really know what else to do. I needed to see. No, I mean, you, you read the, the Joseph's, right? He was in the pit. He was, but we know eventually he hits the palace. One of the things that I really don't know, 
I don't know how Joseph was really feeling through that whole transaction. I would have loved just for my sake, if the Holy Spirit pinned a little bit like, oh, and he was maximum frustrated right here. And then also, um, he was aggravated with such and such. And I'm not going to hold you. He felt disappointed when such and such did blah, blah, blah. And then when Potiphar's wife did that, he felt betrayed. And then with the baker and the chef, when they did what he did, like he had a little bit of a trust issue. Like I would have loved if we were able to peg like, mm, makes sense. I want to see someone in an emotional state, but knows that, yo, I am literally in the palm of God's hands. I am literally living out God's perfect will for my life. Even if it does not feel accordingly, even if I do not understand all the whereabouts and the next steps and all the other things that's entailed in this, what I do know is that God has to be the author of this. He has to be the alpha and the omega. There's no way I'm going to go ahead and read this Bible. There's no way I'm going to go ahead and live this life that I start to feel like, you know what? Maybe the author is asleep right now. Maybe he didn't hear that last prayer that I prayed. Maybe he's not really understanding that this is emotionally infecting me. And not of it's infecting me. It's changing the way that I'm looking at a thing. It's changing the way that I'm walking out a thing. And God, I need you to go ahead and answer and talk to me because I'm starting to feel indifferent about your purpose for my life. I needed to see that. And so I scurried along and I went to go read about Peter. Because out of all the disciples, I ain't going to hold you. Peter's a little bit. Like, I feel like Peter wore Tim's. I know everybody else probably wore the sandals. But he had he had the wheat Tim's. And he didn't lace them all the way up because he was G'd up from the feet up. <laughs> so I believe it. I believe he was from New York. I think he has some ancestors in Queens because that's where I'm from. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I, I kind of, you know, I relate to Peter a little bit more than the average grandbaby, okay? And so I went ahead and I was reading from John 21. And I got a different perspective that really brought a sense of Selah for me. So I'm going to read it with you. You know, I read in the NLT version, right? At this point, you should know that. Because, okay, let's just move on. So verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared. Pause, because you know I give you backdrop, because I don't just be going in people's houses not saying hello. Uh, so Jesus, is, it, it, the, the whole thing happened. They done took him. It's a wrap. It, it's, it's a lot going on. And wow, the, the, the Savior, he, he's gone. <laughs> like, what are, what are we supposed to do now? They Calvary is like, yeah, it's done. But I thought that when he was saying, like, yo, we, we getting ready to, like, the kingdom is getting ready to be, I thought we was getting ready to like make a brand. Like we was pushing a movement. Like, you know, John the Baptist, he started it. Like, you know, he was interning low key, like paving a way for us. So, so now I thought that we was getting, like it was getting ready to be the takeover show. Like here we the kingdom, like we was coming up with mantras and, you know, jingles and all that. And like, now what? He's gone. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and read it. So verse one. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Two, several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Pause. It was like, and them other grandbabies, because who, who got the time to be naming? Three, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat but they caught nothing all night. Four, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Five, he called out, fellows, 
which I found out that also um, the translation was children. Children, have you caught any fish? Nope, they replied. Six. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Seven. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. Eight. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. Nine. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Ten. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. Eleven, so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged to the, the net to the shore. They were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Twelve, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Thirteen, then Jesus served them the bread and fish. 14. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So much in this, so much in this that I got to run it back and literally give you the revelation that I got as I was reading it. So three, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they said. So they went out in the boat but they had caught nothing all night. Sometimes when you are in a position of like, what am I supposed to do? I think human nature goes back to the thing that you know how to do. But you have to discern if what I'm going back to is beneficial for me and my future. Oh, it's okay to go back. It's okay to step back to get a different perspective, to go ahead and recalculate, to go ahead and come up with a different plan, to get some clarity. It's okay. It's not okay when you are an Israelite and you know that God said, listen, I have the land of milk and honey waiting for you. Uh, we just need you to go ahead and learn how to fight because the windmill that you know how to do is not going to get it. And you're like, eh, I'd rather, man, we miss Egypt. At least it was meat there. What you are going back to benefits you how? When you out in the single world and you date, not really understanding the dating scene too much, you're not really finding nobody that whatever. And then now all of a sudden here comes the um, non-beneficial thought of like, you should call such and such and see what she or he is doing. Why? That relationship wasn't beneficial then. <laughs> like, what you doing? Like, we not. Remember Israelite when you were crying to God for like some hundred of years? Like, can you get us out of here? Remember how he, she made you feel when you was in that relationship? Remember how you felt when you used to work there? Now you're trying to see if they hiring again. It was the reason you left the first time, right? Like, so what you doing? Or what are you going to do differently once you assume it? Because again, it's okay to go back. If you feel led to do that, and when you're going back to benefits you, and it's not going to impact negatively your future, like, it's okay, but like, mm, make sure that that's not fueled by loneliness make sure it's not fueled by despair make sure it's not fueled by why are you going back to the house 
but wait a minute, didn't you have, a, you see what I'm saying? Like, let's start really calibrating the human instinct of I'm going to go back if it's not going to be beneficial. So Simon was like, listen, I'm not, y'all can do what y'all want. I'm going back to what I know is at least going to put something in my stomach. <laughs> Cause for three years we was out here with Jay, you know, and he was doing what we need. So we going to have to feed ourselves now. Like, yeah, like, I don't know what y'all was doing before this, but I was able to feed myself. So let me tell you, I, I'm not even going to ask y'all, Hey, y'all want to go fishing with me? I'm going to make a declaration. I'm going fishing. So y'all boys do what y'all want. I'm letting you know why the seat's getting ready to be empty. And everybody else who was used to following Jesus looked at him like, bro, we ain't got nothing else planned. The calendar is clear, sir. <laughs> so guess what? We're going to. Four. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Because let me tell you something. The last time he tried to come up to y'all, y'all was like, ghost. So he was like, let me let some sunshine come up. Okay, let me send my sunshine on me. Let me go ahead and let the sunshine come up. And then let me go ahead and just stay here for a little bit so y'all could see as a person. Okay, and I'm going to go ahead and ask you. Five, he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? And there's something in that. When Jesus came the first time, when it was in the storms and the waves and it was having that hard time rowing and it was a hard time, the Bible says that Jesus walked across the water three o'clock in the morning. But it was still dark at that time. That timing was necessary because maybe it was known that, yo, a minute later, an hour later or whatever, they may not make it. Either they're going to tire themselves out, they're going to give themselves a heart attack by, by the fear that was going on and being scared or whatever. So you know what? Let me go ahead and walk at this opportune time. And here they are again on water. And God said, I'm going to wait an additional three hours. Cause when I looked up to see what does dawn mean? Cause we don't talk in that language here, right? It's not like, Hey, I'm going to call you at dawn. Mm -mm, make it dusk. Like we don't know what that means. So I looked it up and dawn is literally about six 30 in the morning. So Jesus timed three hours and 30 minutes later, just so that while I'm giving y'all or getting ready to give y'all some instruction that it's not wrapped in fear again. Cause I tried to, yo, it's me like calm down. Y'all didn't get it. Y'all was still scared. Only person that came out was Peter. And then that whole thing didn't work out the way that I thought. So I'm going to wait just when you thought that he was forgetting about you. Just when you thought like, yo, I don't, why wouldn't you have come earlier? Why did you wait all night? Why did you, because he knows enough about you to know what state you have to be in to hear him the most cl clear clarity and timing is God's jam. Had he come maybe an hour or two, maybe it was still too dark, but he was like, nope, the moment that the sun comes up, then I'll go ahead and give you direction. Hmm. God's timing is strategic. There's a reason we don't always appreciate it because let me tell you something. I would not have wanted to have been there all night. And then now you come now that doesn't make any sense to me. But it is, no, it's not about it making sense to you. It's about making sure that you're clear that it's me talking to you. Yeah, I can come, I can have buddy come to you in, in the club. You may question. <laughs> so I'm going to have him approach you in the grocery store. Like I need to do it in a way that is undoubtable. Like, yo, that's God. 
5, he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Jesus, why are you asking them a question that you know the answer to? Because when God comes on the scene, he needs truthfulness and he needs clarity. Where are you? When, when the Bible, when he was walking in the cooler today, God, he asked Adam, where are you? Not because he couldn't find him, not because he was trying to create the OG version of Marco Polo. It's because I want to see if you are even aware of where you're currently at emotionally, financially. When, when the 5,000 men, not counting women and children were there, Jesus was like, uh, they was like, yo, send them people back. Cause we don't have enough to feed them. He was like, you feed them. The disciples was like, sir, we don't have that kind of money. It would take a year's worth of wages. <laughs> you need to send these people back home. Let them go eat at home. He was like, well, what do you have? Not a, a boy's lunch, two fish, five loaves. Like, I don't know what you want me to. Jesus didn't ask because he had no clue. I need to know if you're at least aware of what you have in front of you. I need to know if you've been a good steward to making sure like, okay, I searched. I didn't find like what I need to do. Like there is, he's not asking because he's clueless. He's asking because he wants to make you aware of where you're at in absence of him. So that when the abundance comes, you're clear that it came from him. How's your business doing? How's your relationship doing? How's that job doing? Where are you at emotionally? How do you feel physically? Where are you at mentally? You've been thinking about such and such? How have you been? Oh, he's asking you questions in your heart, not to torment you, not even to embarrass you, to let you know I am clear on the current state that you're at. And that's why I'm even here in the first place. Children, have you caught any fish? Because if you did, I wouldn't be here. If y'all had caught some fish, I wouldn't be here, but I'm going to pose a question, not because I'm clueless, but because I need to let you know why I'm even on the scene. Adam, I know you're hiding. So I'm going to ask you, where are you? What do y'all have that we can feed all these people with? (laughs) He knows everything. So just, just be very clear. He's not asking you because he's trying to frustrate you. The question is not coming up in your mind or whatever, because it's like, uh, well, that's embarrassing. No, I don't want to tell you. I don't, I didn't catch any fish, but that's the problem. Maybe you haven't received yet because you are deceiving your own self. No, I'm okay. <laughs> Mm-mm, I don't need no man. Um, ma'am, when's the last time you was able to change your own oil? <laughs> yeah, and not to empower anyone because I'm no, you know, we don't do all that over here. But it's very much given. Listen, yes, you do, and yes, you want to. It is not good for man to be alone, including including woman, because you are a human. Okay, yeah, don't deceive yourself. You don't got to look thirsty, but you know you can say, "I I, I would like a drink," <laughs> you know, a little parched, not dehydrated, but. You know, just a Gatorade would do, you know, some spring water, not Deer Park, you know, just whatever. It's between you and the Lord. Let's move on. Okay. So, uh, fellow children, have you caught any fish? No, they replied six. Then he said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Listen, pause, bruh. How is it that you were in the vicinity of abundance, 
but because where you were placed, because of your own coordinates, for whatever the reason, the abundance was there, but you couldn't find it. Oh my gosh. Like, um, when I, when I read that they were large fish, I was like, how, how scoop together? Like, I'm trying to visualize the under the sea picture. Like, what training y'all went to that it was like, yeah, when you see a boat and you see nets, just stay right here and y'all all scoot together. Like, how, how did you miss 153 large fish, primarily off of the fact that you just were not in the right position? So focusing on the left, staying there all night, so it wasn't a matter of like, yo, y'all in the wrong part of the sea. It wasn't a matter of like, you didn't stay there long enough. It wasn't a matter of like, you tried everything in your natural state to yield what you wanted. I'm sure you weren't looking for 153, maybe just five. So that y'all can, you know, saute it, share it. Just get something in your stomach because you're feeling some kind of way because you're emotional because Jesus is not, you know. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some fish. That's how detailed God is. He's like, have you gotten any customers yet? Has anyone been supporting your business? Listen, I need you to market like this. Listen, I need you to send this to such and such and ask such and such to wear that or do that or whatever. Have you, have you gotten your promotion yet? Is any, okay, I need you to tweak your resume a little bit. I need you to take that part out because that's what the part that's holding you back. Like sometimes we need to go ahead and bring the problem to God and ask him, what do I need to tweak to get the promise? Sometimes it's a matter of just tweaking it. The widow with the oil, she was like, listen, I don't have nothing in my house but some oil. Elijah was like, mm, cool, go get some empty jars, close the door with your son's when you get there, you and your two sons, y'all get in the house, close the door and then pour each one to the brim and then set it aside. Pour that one to the brim, set it aside and keep doing that until there's no more oil. And then she went back and was like, cool, now what? He was like, bet, now sell the oil, pay off your debt, live off the rest. Sometimes it's just tweaking. What do I do with this little bit of oil? What do I do with this two fish and this five loaves from this boy's lunch? What do I do with this, with this, what do I do with this, God? Because the Bible says that he delights in our heart's desires. So if you are experiencing some type of lack, then you need to go back and say, so what do I do? Because like I said with the previous conversation, the woman with the issue of oil didn't just stop there like, ah, oh, praise God, we got some oil now. She went back like, mm-mm, if you were able to give me that set of instruction, now tell me what to do after this. Okay, so I sell it, pay debt. Live off the rest. Cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate you and everything that you did for me and my husband. And I'm going to go ahead and make this happen. It's, it, the blessing is found in a tweak. If what you're doing is not yielding results, if what you're doing is not working, if how you're seeing it is not helpful, if how you're seeing it is not making you feel good, if how you're eating is not, listen, it, it gets to a point that, yo, if you're eating something or you don't have control over a certain addiction or a certain, just ask God, take that taste from me. You ever thought to ask that? God, listen, these sweets, they cannot, I don't have dominion over this. This is, a, I'm praying down uh, 
demons and in the name of Jesus and pouring the blood of Jesus on. But then Krispy Kreme, they got a chokehold on me, sir. You ever just thought like just simplify your prayer to the point like, listen, I don't even want to feel that. Take that taste from me. Spirituality aside, your taste buds change every 10 years. Did you know that? Did you get an iOS update on your soul? Oh, you didn't know that either? Oh, okay. You just realized when you were younger, you liked that. Now you don't. Or when you were younger, you didn't like that. Now you do. And none of that just made you say, oh, my taste is changing. So why don't you add some natural or some super on that natural transaction anyway and say, God, um, the next iOS update in my soul, can you take that taste away from me? Yeah, I don't even want to wrestle with that. Just take the taste from me. I don't even want to be attracted to that kind of person. Can you take that familiarity away from me? Yeah, I don't even want to find commonality with that kind of group of people. I don't want, like, whatever is going to hinder me from experiencing your promise, because right now I feel starved, I feel lack. So whatever it is that is holding me back, that's within me, take it from me, and I openly give it to you. I don't want it. Send it back to the pit of hell where it belongs. But I can tell you what, um, sometimes it's as simple as asking God to tweak what's in front of you, what's in you. And sometimes, uh, yeah, it's as easy as like you, you there, but, but, but not quite. Because six, when he said, uh, throw your net out to the right hand side, that was very, that wasn't like, mm, turn the boat around. Cause that would have been a lot of work. It wasn't, why don't y'all go ahead and row up a couple of meters. It was take that net, just put it on the other side and you'll catch some fish. The beauty of that is he wanted to let them know. Cause I'm sure at that point their spirits, emotionally, everything else is probably down. So I'm going to tell you what to do. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and then I'm going to encourage you to give you a promise, and you'll get some fish. Oh, so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. So let me see. So y'all went from playing um, hide-and-go-see <laughs> 153 y'all hide and go see tonight. I just jumping in the, like, uh, okay. Seven. Then the disciple Jesus love said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to the shore. You know what that shows me? Peter was positioned. He was positioned to his extent of human knowledge and what to do ism. This is where we need to be to fish. And I am positioned for the promise. I am positioned for the blessing. Not only am I positioned, I'm prepared. This man had stripped for work and caught nothing. But he was prepared and he was positioned. It was like, so you went in there with the like, yo, I got the suit on. Iron impressed <laughs> and I got the resume good. I'm just trying to see who's ready to interview me. Let me explain something to you. I got my, my emotions together. I healed from my past. I, my heart is open and receptive to receiving love. I'm ready to be a spouse. Nope. Let me, I got my debt paid off. I got it handled. I'm starting to look at life different and how I want to plant roots. 
I'm just waiting for the market to do what it needs to do so I can afford to get into this real estate game. Like, do not feel dismayed in any kind of way because you are positioned and you are prepared, but nothing is happening. Let me explain something to you. There's always a Jesus that knows exactly where you are. Have you caught any jobs yet? Is there anyone that's getting your attention dating-wise yet? And he's not asking you that question or other people are not asking you that question or strategically asking you that question to make you feel like, and I know, I listen, I know I'm so single. Leave me alone. It, it's not that. It's that sometimes God just wants to check the temperature of your own heart. Like, do you still want it? Do you still want it? Because a lot of people wouldn't have stayed there all night and caught nothing and been okay with doing some more work. It wouldn't have been a, come on, bro. <laughs> Okay, um, no, we're going to call it a day. It's been a long day, sir. Because mind you, I don't know, we, we, they didn't know who that person was yet. That was saying, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some fish. They didn't know who that was. That was verse 6. Until verse 7, that's when the disciple that Jesus loved said, I think that's the Lord. So imagine somebody that you don't know who's not even near where you're at, who's on shore, who don't look like they fish at all, who's going to tell you, you should go ahead and do this. And that's a problem right there. Most of the time, God is sending people to give you a word through him and you don't receive it because they don't look like him. What she know? She don't got no kids. What he know? He ain't no husband. What you know? You ain't, you're no entrepreneur. You've been at that same job for 20-something years. But you know what? Do not forsake. The fact that God can make a donkey talk and give some wisdom, do not forsake that God can go ahead and send someone. Don't look at the vehicle of what's transporting the word. Look at the word and say, if it doesn't go against what you morally feel, if it's not coming against what you know God has for you, go ahead and just try it. Because I think that that should be highlighted. They did not know that this was God giving instruction. It's different if they were like, oh, that's the Lord. And he was like, yes, I am the Lord. Now put your net to the right-hand side. That, 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 that's something that you pay attention to. That's something that you like, oh, okay, if God said it, I'm going to do it. But guess what? Y'all don't know it's him. Hmm? Four, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, he gave the instruction. And then after they caught the fish, that's when John was like, I think that's Shay. <laughs> Wait a minute. That should tell you something. A lot of the times you praying and God is sending the word, but you sending it on because it don't, you don't understand who that person is. You don't, mm -mm, they don't even know me. How are they going to tell me how to do my business? Nope. They haven't done what I've been through. And so now you're qualifying people and God is like, but I called them to you. I told Ananias, go over there to Saul, go ahead and touch his eyes and do some stuff. And you like, mm, I don't even know because he's not even a Christian. So what if I do this? And you're questioning and trying to quantify and qualify what God has already set in motion to be the very thing to change the trajectory of your life. Stop shooing away things that you don't understand and not at least taking the seed of the message and singing what will happen if I do it that way. They told you to do something that you didn't like. They told you to go ahead and do something that seemed like it may be a waste of your time. They told you to come somewhere with them and you're like, yeah, I don't really know. And so what you don't understand is that you push past your emotions, then maybe you'll receive what God has for you. There are some things that people are going to tell you 
that, you know what, wasn't your bright idea initially. But if you were to go ahead and implement what they said to do, guess what? You yield the fruit of that. It don't have to be your idea first for you to go ahead and get reap the benefits of that. But you need to be clear on, you know what? I have not tried that yet. So I dared not sit in this boat all night and say I caught nothing. Yet somebody told me maybe you should try it this way. I dare not go to the other side of the sea. I dare not go ahead and get dressed back up again. I dare not go back home and ask, hey, how'd it go? We didn't catch nothing. But yet you didn't apply every piece of advice given to you. Somebody said maybe you should mark it this way. Somebody said, maybe you should try to open it up and target to, you know, that particular population, a group of people over there. Somebody said, maybe you should date this kind of person. Somebody said, maybe you should try to get your kids in this kind of facility, this school, this whatever. Somebody said it, but you may have overlooked it because of the person that was giving it to you nine times out of 10, you didn't know them. Or you felt like they didn't know enough about you to go ahead and give you that advice. Imagine Peter being a fisherman and somebody he don't know who don't have a boat. So I don't even know if you fish telling me, put my net on the other side of the, sir, I fish for a living. Thank you. <laughs> cause like, no, cause he thought like, okay. Like my track record is like, don't get it twisted. This is just a night. But like, understand I had a whole business before Jesus. Like, don't get it. Oh, don't get caught up in your emotions. Don't get caught up in your pride. Don't get caught up in you that you can't hear that God is like, I'm, I got abundance waiting for you. If you just go ahead and take this piece of advice, if you just go ahead and see past yourself, if you go ahead and just say, yo, you know what? Honestly, it's not like it's outside of my power to do this. It's not like they're asking me to do something immoral. It's not like they're telling me to do something that at the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to look at myself in the mirror. If it's as simple as you know what, you already in the sea, you already in the boat, you're positioned, you already are stripped down for work. So you're prepared. You might as well go ahead and apply the part that's going to bring forth the blessing and abundance. You might as well, you're there. You might as well you, do that part. We miss it sometimes because Nine times out of 10, the person who's going to support you is not going to be your family members and your friends. The person that you're going to get the most orders from may not be the person that you grew up with. The person that's going to give you the next piece of advice to take you to the next level may not be your mentor. Keep a positioned heart that God, if I feel like you in any piece of that advice, I'm going to try it. If you don't want me to do it, you better block it from getting to me. You understand? Go ahead, Holy Spirit, do your thing. No, I'm going to go ahead and scoot out the way. I ain't going to hold you. So they move it to the right. Then John is like, bro, that's, that's Jesus. He was like, real talk? He was like, the realist? He said, yeah. When Peter, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic. Because <laughs> I, I don't want Jesus to see me like this. For he had shipped for work, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. The other stayed in the boat, eight. The other stayed then with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. Nine, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And then what does Jesus say next? Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. 
11. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were about 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Why did the Bible, why did Holy Spirit feel led to go ahead and say, I want you to know that it was not just a couple of fish. It was 153, and it wasn't the small little goldfish situations. It wasn't like the, the tilapias. and It was large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. The beauty of this part is that I feel like the reason why Jesus said bring some of the fish you just caught is because sometimes you need to tangibly see that God remembered you. He remembered me. Yo, remember when you didn't have nothing? Bring that over here. Let's go ahead and look at this. Wow, look what God did. Remember when y'all was on that particular boat, y'all was there all night and there was nothing? And even though Jesus has fish cooking in the meantime, he wanted you to bring a part of what you caught. Bring some of that fish y'all caught. Okay, let's go ahead and look at this. Because it wasn't until Jesus directed him to bring some of the fish you've just caught that then it was, yo, not only is it 153 large fish, but this net had not torn. Sometimes you need to be able to analyze, God, you heard me. You did it. And look how you did it. And oh my gosh. And just be able to step back and see God's awesomeness and his divine hand in your life. And you just need to step back and say, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Because what does he say after that? Now come have some breakfast. Yeah, I don't want you scurrying along that part of like, oh, okay, that was Jesus. And we, yeah, you got real excited. You didn't even try to see what was in the net. You just came on shore and was like, Jesus, like, okay, that's cute. Bring some of the fish you caught though. Cause I need you to understand this. As much as you was in that boat, feeling like you were in lack, as much as you was in that situation, feeling like God wasn't hearing you, as much as you were in that situation, it felt like everybody was surpassing you, that your time was running out, that you felt like it was too late. So as long as you stayed in that situation, we're not going to just scurry along to the next like oh god thank you no i need you to go back and see what god actually did oh my gosh just moving it to the right made 153 large fish be in this net and the fact that um this net has not torn so i've never seen this this is abundance oh my goodness yeah i want you to fill yourself up spiritually and emotionally before you come over here and try to eat food just to go ahead and fill you physically that was strategic Bring some of the fish you just caught. Analyze what God did in your life. Give God some glory on what he did. Go ahead and realize this was not where you were at um, a, a fishnet left ago, okay? I need you to go ahead and understand that. Okay, now that you've understood that God blessed you abundantly, now come and have some breakfast. Jesus said, none of the disciples dare to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. 13, then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. 14, this was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, whatever is trying to make you feel like your whole entire life is symbolic of being in a boat with your net to the left hand side and that you are being overlooked and that you are in lack and you're not experiencing God's abundance. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you get the directions, the instructions and the 
whatever the courtness are needed for you to experience God's best, for you to experience the dominion over every part of your life that God said. God said that you go ahead and try him, that you keep asking, you will receive. If you knock, the door will be open. There are so many different promises in the Bible. And I declare and decree that whatever it is, wherever position you are at, that you hear the courtness to where your abundance at. I want you to remain prepared. I want you to remain positioned because there is coordinates and directions and instructions in the queue. I want you to position your heart to receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that everything that you put your hand to, no matter what your emotional state is, that it is abundance. I pray that you always give God the glory. I pray that you get 153 large fish in whatever the area of life that you are praying for. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you will not be overlooked for any promotions, that you will hear different when it comes to your health, that you will go ahead and get whatever your heart's desire is and that you'll have the right heart motive behind it. I am thankful that God allowed us to have this conversation because I decree and declare that there will not be any more lack in your life, that that will not be anything in your life that you are like, what now, God? Because he is now going to translate that to, I'm going to give you the courtness for your next set of abundance. Thank you, God, for doing what only you can do. Thank you for bringing a calm and a selah to the spirit. Let us hear what the direction and coordinates are. Let us hear what it is that you're trying to do. And I rebuke anything that tries to make it seem like we were doing something all this time and caught nothing, that we were positioned and prepared all this time and it equated to nothing. I am thankful that you are in the close vicinity, that you have a close idea of what's happening. You know how much we've been here, how long we've been here, and how much we long to no longer be here. And I'm thankful that the coordinates and instructions are on the way. Abundance is here. We receive it in the mighty name of Jesus through the blood of Jesus with expectancy and faith bigger than a mustard seed. It's in his son's name, Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. Forget a challenge. I want you to receive that. That's your challenge. Receive that. Receive that. Thank you, Lord. And it is so. And it is so. And it is so. Thank you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And it is so. Thank you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. And it is so. And it is so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because you know and we trust. <sighs> yeah. Mm. I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know what these conversations are. They're life-provoking conversations. Conversations that not the average person is going to have with you. But who? Your favorite homegirl. I feel a breakthrough. And I'm trying everything to hold back my emotions. But the devil is defeated. There is nothing that is against you. Everything happens for you. I rebuke frustration. I rebuke irritation. And I pray that you have the quickest turnaround to abundance. It's just a matter of shifting according to the instruction that you heard. Do it to receive it. I'm going to let you let me go. Later. <laughs>